we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Good morning, everyone, especially those that are online, or those that are in the hospital that are ill and sick, and you found a way to join us uh, here through this miracle of technology for those that are at the bridge in True Worth and those that are in the sanctuary. We just want to say welcome to all here uh, in this place of worship, and we all need Jesus. We're all broken, and thank goodness he receives us into his presence. Amen. Can we say thank you for that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we want to clap for that song again. I want to hear a better clap for that song. That was amazing. That was amazing. We are about to wrap up a message series. Before I do that, I need to kind of give you some information. Uh, our crossing, this is the area out here outside this worship space, goes all the way around the building uh, to another worship space if you're on site. And you will notice some people sit up with chairs there. Uh, this is our local Burleson Fire Department partnering uh, with our local uh, Burleson Health Department, medical department, to provide vaccines for anyone who might be interested. You, uh, you've been thinking about it. You want to talk to somebody about it. It's been inconvenient. They're just going to be down there in that corner. They're just available for you if, you if you're so inclined. They'll be back in four weeks in case you do choose. And it's just there for you as a service just for anyone who may have that need. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to find them and get out your notes and, and get situated and turn over to Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. Uh, if you're joining us right here today for the very first time, we're glad you're here. But we're wrapping up a message series. This is the last one. We're calling it Six Feet Apart. And what we've been doing is discussing about the importance of having healthy boundaries in relationships and understanding what a boundary is. And also working how God works in our relationships and how this distance, sometimes it can be too far, sometimes it can be too close in knowing what, this, what it is, how, how close, how, how near and far you, you get towards people. Now we're wrapping up this whole series with a very kind of complicated subject. We're talking about how to love difficult people. We all have difficult people in our life. Maybe you have someone in your life who's especially critical. They're negative all the time. Maybe you have someone in your life who has this huge ego. They're almost narcissistic. The whole world just kind of revolves around them. They're the topic of every conversation. Maybe you have someone in your life who's just a hurtful person. They've hurt you many times. It's almost like taking advantage of you is one of their goals in life, and they're successful and they do it well. Maybe some of you have people in your life who are pushy. They're always pushing their ideas, their beliefs, their values, and they think they're right. They're always right, and you're always wrong, and they want to tell you that they're right and make sure you understand it. Maybe you have someone in your life who plays the victim card. They just always think they're the victim. They're the one that's always wrong. They're the ones, and so they're blaming. They're never the problem. It's they're the problem. They're the problem. Those people, those people, those people. Maybe there's somebody in your life, you don't know why, they just get under your skin. 
They come walking into your presence like chalkboard. Your fingernails are on a chalkboard. And you just go, oh, yeah. And you just, you don't even know why. Now, we all have difficult people in our lives. So this is confession time here. Confession time. In worship, we do something called confession. That's where you admit before God something that's true. And so I want you to think, anybody here in this room, hear my voice, and online, there at your home or wherever you're, you're gathered, if you have a difficult person or have had a difficult person in your life, would you please raise your hand high and hold it high? I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking roll. I'm checking. Keep it held high. Yep. Keep it up there. Keep it up there. I'm looking online, too. Keep it up there. Okay. Keep it up there if the person who's difficult is sitting next to you right now. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get honest about that, huh? And now you're the difficult person. Here's, here's what I figured out. It would be a whole lot easier for me to follow Jesus if the people around me weren't so difficult. It'd be a whole lot easier to forgive. It'd be a whole lot easier to be generous. It would be a whole lot easier for me to sacrifice my time, my energy, my money, my time for people if they were a little less difficult. It'd be easier to go the second mile and to practice the teachings of Jesus. So what do you do when you have people in your life that are difficult, people in your life that are annoying, they are obnoxious, they're a pain in a you-know-what, they're a drama king, they're a drama queen. How do you love them? The world gives us all sorts of solutions. The world says, hey, I tell you what you do, just pretend to be nice. Just pretend it doesn't bother you and let it go on. Just let it go and just on the outside and just avoid those people. The world will tell you, tell you what, just, just pretend on the outside that it doesn't bother you. But when you go home, just whine and complain about it to everybody else. Right. But if you pretend out there everything's okay, the world tells us, hey, listen, don't let them get away with it. You got to let them know how you feel. You got to tell them. And you got to tell the whole world. And you do. You post it. You send out a mass email to everybody in the company. You call everybody in the family. Do you know what? Who did? You know what she did? You know what they did? You let everybody know. That's what the world suggests in how you handle difficult people. But what does Jesus say? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said to love your neighbors and hate your enemy. Yep, I've heard that. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, the people in my little circle that I like, the people that are close to me that are not difficult, I'm going to love them. I'm going to enjoy them. But those people that are difficult, I'm just going to hate them. I'm going to ignore them. I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to discount. I'm going to demonize them. But I tell you, Jesus says, to love your enemies. Love those difficult people and pray for those difficult people. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God does not discriminate. 
He isn't nicer to the people who are easy to love and harder on the people that are hard to love. He didn't give the ones that are easy to love a whole lot and the ones that are hard to love, he gives them nothing. It says he pours out his blessing on both. If you love those, verse 46, who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And then he closed with this very strange, challenging verse. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I want you to notice in this particular passage right here, Jesus doesn't pay much attention. He doesn't seem very interested on how well you and I love the easy people in our life. You know, the people who believe the way you believe, the people who act the way you act, the people who kind of agree with you, the people who know how to get along with your particular type of personality, the people that are easy. He doesn't particularly care. He doesn't talk about that. Spends a little time here, it seems like, on that person that divorced you. They're now your ex. How do you feel and how do you treat them? How, how do you treat that boss who you say did you wrong? That co-worker who stabbed you in the back, who got your promotion who put something on the company website or the company social media page about you that was not true, rumor, but now everybody thinks it's true. How do you deal and cope with that person? Seems to be kind of interested. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to ask you in your mind, I want to ask you to grab hold of somebody in your life that you would, you would label, just you, you would label as a difficult person in your life. For whatever reason, maybe you have two or three. I want you to get those folks, I want you to get a picture of them, grab them in your mind, and then I'm going to push you a little bit more. I want to challenge you, if you have hard copy paper right now, somewhere to write that person's first name down or maybe their initials. This is just for you. It's not for anybody else. This is just for you. You're not going to show this to anybody else. You're not going to tell anybody. But you, because it's when you write it down or you put it down in your notes, digitally in your phone, it just makes it more real. You're being more honest with God. Now, I want to go back to this very, you got it? Got the person? This very last verse, verse 48. Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, here's what he's not saying. He is not saying, hey, have some perfect level of obedience to God to be a high level of obedience. Or, he's not saying a high level of perfect morality in your behavior. That's not what he's saying. In the context of this verse, he is saying, I want you to learn how to have a perfectly loving response to that difficult person. 
just like God has perfectly responded to you. Difficult person. We learned last weekend, we were studying the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 11. God said, I am not human. I am not of the world. I am holy. Like, my ways are not the world's ways. And so when my family members, when they reject me, when my family members hurt me, when my family members post something about me that's not true, I'm not going to respond like the world does. I'm going to respond in a holy godly, loving way. And that's what he's saying. I want you to not respond like the world. I want you to respond in a perfect way like God himself is perfect too. And you go, wow, how do I do that? How can I even imagine to do that? Well, the scriptures give us some ideas. Over here in Matthew chapter 15, there's this little story. Jesus had these disciples... And really, the three uh, years of his ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's his taking these, these 12 little disciples and teaching them how to love difficult people. He knew it was going to be hard for them. He knew there were going to be difficult people all around them. And so he tells them this little story. Then on the surface, you're going to go, what does it mean? But I'm telling you, this is a powerful story. I'm just going to walk through it verse by verse. We're just kind of going to walk through it a little bit. First of all, verse 21, he says, we'll put it on the screen. He says, leaving that place, stop right there. Now, if you're reading your Bibles every morning, and I know you are, right, at least 15 minutes. If not 15 minutes, you're doing it 10 minutes. And if not 10 minutes, you're doing it, maybe you're at least opening your Bible and looking at it, right? So maybe something rubs off on you. But you're doing it every day. And if you're doing that every day, you're beginning to understand that when I read my Bible, I'm just not going to read it fast. I'm going to read it slow. And let something kind of, and ask questions. And so you ask questions here. The question is, where is that place? What are they leaving? They're leaving Galilee. They're leaving their home field. They're leaving their home turf. They're leaving the field where everybody in the stands wants them to succeed, who believes, who votes like them, who thinks like them, who loves like them, who believes like them. That perfect place where everybody's easy to love. And where are they going? Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, that is, pagan, that is cold language to any good Jew. Uh, we're going to pagan country. Uh, we're going to the visiting team where none of the home field fans get to come, where everybody's going to cheer against you, where everybody wants to see you fail. Because they don't believe the way you believe. They don't think you like they, they want you to just fall flat on your face. That's where we're going. In fact, right, we'll show you a little map right here to kind of give you an idea exactly where those places are. Tyre and Sidon, you'll see them. They are north of Galilee. Galilee is kind of where they are, where all the home country. Let's go up there in modern-day Lebanon is where you would find it today, up there in modern-day Lebanon. That's where they're going. So they head out. Verse 22, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to them. Stop right there, Canaanite woman. First of all, you'll notice Canaanite there, in this case, is an adjective describing the woman. This is the only place in the New Testament, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where you find that word Canaanite. One place right here, and it's describing the woman. And the description is full of uh, 
full of discontent and contempt and kind of an arrogance and kind of a looking down upon. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a hardcore Democrat looking over there and going, well, look at that Republican woman. It's kind of like a hardcore over here Republican woman looking over there and going, well, look, there goes a Democrat woman. There goes a Canaanite woman. Who does she think she is? She doesn't look like us. She doesn't think like us. She doesn't do her stuff, have potluck like us. Who is she looking down upon her? A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to them crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed. She's suffering terribly. Notice the next five words. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Lord, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. She's difficult. She's a pain. She didn't believe like us. She didn't think, could you please just get her out of here? She's really bugging us. She is so difficult. That's what they're saying. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Strange thought. We'll come back to it. The woman came and she knelt before him and she said, Lord, help me. He said, another strange statement. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that very moment. Now, church, this is a fascinating story. And it's kind of like TMZ. It's kind of like they caught Jesus embarrassing himself, almost kind of being rude to this woman, it seems like. He didn't even talk to her when she spoke to him. And then he made this reference that you think that she might look like a dog. She acts like a dog. I mean, come on now. It's like the cameras of somebody was rolling, and they caught Jesus, and they put it there in the Bible. little side note. There are some people who don't believe in God, and if you don't believe in God, you're welcome here. I want to tell you that. If you're someone who struggles with faith and struggles with a book and you don't like this book, you don't like God and faith, and someone just twisted your arm here and just, you have to be here today for whatever reason, it's okay. It's okay. Just, you're welcome just the way you are. God, you're welcome here. But there are some people who believe like that, that the New Testament is written just to make Jesus look good. If they were just trying to make Jesus look good, this story wouldn't be in the Bible. Because on the surface, Jesus doesn't come across in the beginning as looking very good. But on the surface, if that's all you see, you're missing it. I want to teach you to learn to untangle, to look at a story from the beginning, from the end, and pull the pieces apart and to see the lessons that can come to the top. And I want to give you five lessons I think are so clear in this particular passage on how that you and I can learn to deal with difficult people in our life, whether it's in your family, it's your marriage, it's in your work, friends, whatever the relationship may be. And here's the first one right there in your notes. I will learn, I will silence my need to be nice. That's the first lesson. I will silence my need to be nice. When it comes to difficult people, I will silence this compulsion just to pretend like I'm a nice little goody little two-shoes little Christian church person. 
that I just smile all the time and I just take it with a grain of salt and everything's oh, 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 it's okay. The woman speaks to Jesus and he doesn't say a word. You might think it's a little rude. He really wasn't. It was culturally appropriate. I'll share that with you in a moment. But the first thing I see in this text is that Jesus rebukes you and me who feel like with a difficult person, we automatically got to fill the silence with something. You know what I'm talking about with a little fake smile? On the outside, you see him and you smile, but on the inside, you go, I can't stand you. You know what I'm talking about? You got to say something nice. Oh, you look lovely. And on the inside, you think, you look terrible, you witch. You know, you know. <laughs> Am I lying? On the outside, you act all pretend and nice and polite, but you're really insincere. Because on the inside, and this kind of makes the case that, listen, if you're just going to be decided, little nice, little thing, you're really going to create more problems than you are going to help resolve the issue. He wants to release you from having to be that kind of little expectation of what a Christian is like. So he said, he just didn't talk to her first. He just lets it sit there. I want to introduce you to a book called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Some of you may have read this book. This is a book that I had my team read, my leadership team read years ago. One of the most influential things that impact that released us to talk about stuff that really matters and to deal with the issues and not just be quiet and nice and pretend. And here's what it looks like. There's a triangle for five dysfunctions of a team. And here's how this thing works. That in every relationship, this would be true of your five dysfunctions of a marriage, five dysfunctions of your business, five dysfunctions of any group of people, whatever it is. It's relationships. First of all, it's trust. If there is no trust, then all you pretend is to be nice. And you don't talk about stuff that really matters. And if there's no trust, you don't have any real productive conflict. I'm talking about healthy conflict where you talk about something that really matters and you try to resolve it and get to some sort of reconciliation. And if you don't have healthy conflict, there's no commitment. There's no real commitment to the marriage. There's no real commitment to the business. There's no commitment to the team that you're working on, whatever it is. And if you don't have a commitment, you don't hold accountability. Hey, you do what you want. You do what you want. It doesn't matter. You go separate ways, separate lives, separate family, no accountability, and there's no positive results because you never make any sort of progress. Because you never talk about the things that really matter. You just pretend everything's okay. And it's not. And Jesus here in the story, the first thing he does is releases the disciples. He says, listen, guys, sometimes you just don't say a word. And you don't have to be nice and pretend it's okay when it's not okay. Secondly, he teaches us, I will avoid avoidance. I will avoid avoidance. Some of us, our number one solution for dealing with difficult people is just avoid them. You see him coming down the grocery store aisle, whoop, I'm going the other way. 
You see them walking down the hallway, you duck into your office. You do everything in your power to avoid them, just not to face them, not to see them, and not to deal with it. Now, in this story right here, Jesus doesn't avoid. The disciples do. Who do the disciples have the problem with? The Canaanite woman. They really have a different problem. with. She's difficult, but they don't talk to her. They avoid her, and they go, and they talk to Jesus. You deal with it. Now, the scriptures say that Jesus is silent at first. He's not avoiding her. It is culturally appropriate for a Jewish male to not speak to a woman when she speaks to him in public, especially a Gentile woman, especially a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher with a Gentile woman. So when he does speak, and you notice in the text, he does speak, he's risking He's putting himself in jeopardy by daring to speak with her. He doesn't avoid her like many of us do when a conversation is hard or challenging or we avoid it. Years ago, my dad uh, worked as a chaplain in mental health, and I've told you this, and uh, for criminally insane, for uh, young people that have been put in prison who've been said, yeah, you got to go to jail, you'll get out, blah, 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 for different reasons, for felons and all sorts of things. And when you go into these prisons, into these, these penitentiaries or these, these facilities, they have barbed wire on top, double fences. You had an ID, and you didn't swipe the ID to get in because back then uh, they didn't have swiping technology. You actually had to write your name down when you went in. And my dad's name is Mather, M-A-T-H-E-R. When my dad signs his name, it looks sometimes like a O M O T H E R. So my dad has his place where he's checking in. This because he's kind of coming in, and there's this guard there, and the guard looks like this. This is what the guard looks like. <laughs> the guard looks like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I mean, this big, tall, gigantic, cockle man. And my dad, in his best years, comes up to about right here on me. Okay, and I would look like this against, I mean, even smaller against uh, the rock there. And so my dad comes in and he signs in. The guy looks and sees his name and he says, Mother Owen. He says, well, hello, Mother Owen. So he just started calling my dad Mother Owen, Chaplain Mother Owen. And he would introduce him to people. Here comes Chaplain Mother Owen, Chaplain Mother Owen, Mother Owen. And my dad was pretty sensitive about his name. Not many people are named Mather. That's kind of an unusual name. And he just kind of sat there and took it that one day my dad said, I'm not going to avoid it anymore. So he goes and he signs in. We'll say, hello, Chaplain Mother Owen, and a bunch of people around. My dad just walks up to him and looks up, up, looks up at the guy and says, the next time you say Mother Owen, I'm going to mother your nose. Have a good day. <laughs> it never happened again. Two or three things happened. All the other inmates, they started coming to my dad more often because they respected him because that guy was a bully to other people too. And the other people that were there who, who worked there in the facility, they started coming to my dad more. Even 
the guy who called him Mother Owen, his marriage tanked. Guess who he came and asked to help? My dad. Because he refused to avoid the conflict and the difficult situation. Jesus refused to avoid it. Because he understood something. On the front end, it feels good to avoid it because you don't have to deal with the discomfort. But in the long run, it's misunderstandings get worse. It gets more difficult and it gets more challenging. Marriages. Please hear this, marriages. Most marriages do not end because of some big cataclysmic something that causes pow. Most of them end because little bitty issues drip Drip, 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 drip that are avoided so long that eventually it gets so full of resentment and bitterness that someone says, I'm done. Because they avoided talking about what really, really mattered. For you, Maybe that means you going home, sitting down with someone and say, listen, I just want to talk with you about something that's really important. I need you to know how I'm feeling. Maybe that's you calling someone and saying, listen, could we have a cup of coffee? I need to let you know what's going on with me. Maybe it means you offering forgiveness. Maybe that means you offering for an apology. Maybe that means you asking a pastor, a mentor, or a friend to sit down with you to intervene. I don't know. But don't avoid it. It's just going to get worse. Here's the third thing we learned. I will respect boundaries. I will respect boundaries. I have to know my boundaries before I can respect them. I've got to know somebody else's boundaries before I can respect them. If you were not here a couple of weeks ago, in the second week of this message series, when we sat down had a conversation with Kim Garrett, a licensed counselor, and talked about boundaries, I would encourage you to please go sit down and listen to that and take notes. This is a critical issue. Jesus understood his boundaries. And he says right here in the middle of the text, he said, I was sent, verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now know the context. When Jesus first started his ministry, he said, here's my job. My job is I'm going to go spread the good news of God's love to as many Jewish people as I can. And then the Jewish people are going to go spend it to all the Gentile, the non-Jewish world. That's going to be their job. And so now you've got a, a, a Gentile woman, a Canaanite woman, asking for help. And he's, really what he's saying to the woman, he's saying, you know what? My problem, your problem is not my problem. That's really what he's saying. Here's the thing about boundaries. is me knowing what I'm responsible for and what I'm not responsible for. That's a boundary. What am I responsible for and what am I not responsible for? I'm responsible for my thoughts, for my behaviors, for my feelings, for my emotions, what I'm experiencing. I am responsible for how I respond to that difficult person. I am responsible. They're not. I am. And Jesus understood that. And so it was with ease he could say to this woman, hey, listen, I only came for the lost sheep of Israel. My problem is not your problem. 
But because he didn't feel like, I got to deal with this, I got to feel this pressure. If I don't do it, she's going to get upset. Or if everybody's watching, I'll do it. Because he felt safe with that, he was able to listen and care and able to really love her and choose and choose to give himself to her. If you can't choose to say no, you really can't choose to say yes. You're just giving in. And then you get resentful. Maybe you're a parent and you have an adult child. And your adult child, certain age, they've not figured it out yet. For whatever reason, it's just hard for them. Life is hard for them. But because of the guilt you have as a parent, thinking you didn't do a good enough job, you feel like you got to own their situation. So you keep on funding the money. You keep on bailing them out of jail. You keep on rescuing them from their little addiction or whatever it is. You keep doing that. And then on the inside, you're feeling resentment. On the inside, you're feeling angry. On the inside, you're feeling all kind of, I can't believe this. Because you're trying to fix them and own the responsibility for what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And you're not helping anything. And it's just things are just getting worse because you're, you're violating boundaries. Church, this, this, is, this is God's word. Or maybe to simplify it. Maybe you go to someone's house and you go to a little party and you just, you've been to several parties and you go to have a piece of pie. They say, listen, come have this piece of pie. And you go, I really don't want a piece of pie. I just ate. I'm full. I'm on a diet. But man, if I don't eat the piece of pie, it'll hurt their feelings. They'll be so disappointed. And so you eat the piece of pie. And then you leave and you go, I can't believe that ate that piece of pie. You're all bent out of shape. You just feel terrible and everything. What happened? You just violated the boundaries. You didn't understand. You're not responsible for how they feel. You're responsible for how you feel and your choices. But we do it all the time, church. We do it all the time. You will not know the freedom you will have in your life when you understand this principle and how much better your marriage will get, your parenting will get. And Jesus models it well. And the woman has a great experience in the end of the story. Here's the fourth thing. I will confront my prejudices. I will confront my, I think this may be the the toughest one here to deal with. This is the hardest part of the story. Uh, The disciples try to send her away. Get rid of her, get rid of her, get rid of her. The woman comes and kneels and asks for help. In verse 26, Jesus says, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, we all love our dogs around here, right? Everybody here, you got your little cuddly little, wetty little dogs. Oh, we spend so much money on our dogs. I saw this sign that said dog masseuse. If you're taking your dog to a masseuse, they don't need a masseuse. They need a new owner. You're stressing them out. (laughs) You may need the massage if your dog's thinking they need a massage. But you and I put both so much value on our dogs. In the ancient world, dogs were kind of like cats are to me. <laughs> I know I'll get something from somebody. It's okay. But man, dogs were considered unclean back then. Just no, no, no. And it looks like that Jesus turned and said, Woman, you're a dog. But that's, that's, that's not what's happening at all. Here's what all the biblical scholars believe He wasn't talking to the woman. He was talking to the disciples. You Canaanite woman. 
She's just like a dog. She shouldn't be here. She's not worthy of being in our spot. She's all that old moral superior and looking down over her and just thinking she's less than that and whatever. And what Jesus is saying, guys, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking. All uppity and higher, holier than thou, looking down on her and thinking you're better. You're thinking she's a dog, aren't you? Let me ask you a question. What if Jesus said out loud for everyone to hear what you're thinking about that difficult person? For everybody to hear in the family, for everybody to hear in the office, for everybody. Well, Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I want you to check your heart. Your bias is showing. Your prejudice is showing. Your self-righteousness is showing. Your holier-than-thou is showing. That's what he's saying. Check your heart. Here, just a few days ago, I had the privilege again of holding our little uh, seven-month-old grandson, Ryder. Here's a picture of Ryder right here. Man, he's just, I just love holding that little kid. And so I'm holding him, I'm talking to him. I'm just talking to him. I said, you know what, Ryder? You are the most difficult person in this whole family. <laughs> this is what I told him. I said, especially with your mom and dad. You know what? You have no boundaries. You don't recognize their need for sleep. You know, you always want to be awake when they need to sleep. You know, you just always want to be fed when they got other things to do. Right when they're walking out the door, you decide to poop. You have no timing. You are just needy all the time. All you're thinking about about you. You don't care about anybody else but just take care of me, 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 take care of me. Then I started thinking about me. I'm just like Ryder. And so are you. The most difficult person in my little circle to love is not my wife, it's not my sons, it's not my grandkids, it's not the people I work with, it's me. And it's you. I'm holding him and I say, Ryder, 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 buddy, I love you, but I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you anyway, buddy, even though you don't, you don't, you don't bring anything to the table, you know, <laughs> except just being there. I know I love you. He just spit up all over me. And I said, I love you anyway, buddy. <laughs> and God says, you come here this morning, you go, God loves me, God loves me. You hear it, God loves me. And then you walk out the door, and in two seconds, you just spit up on God. You say this about that person, that about that person, that person. I can't believe that. that, that. You know what God says? Check your heart. Check your bias. Check your prejudice. And the last thing is, most important, is ask God for help. That's what the woman does. She finally just comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, help me. Can I just tell you the God honest truth here? You will fail at loving difficult people if you just try to do it by your own strength, your own might, your own power. It takes supernatural power and love to love people that just bug the believing jeepers out of you. 
you'll fail every time. And so she even comes to him and says, Jesus, she even uses his words against him, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. <laughs> you know what, Jesus, I trust you. I know who you are. I know, okay, I, I trust you. Could you do something about my situation? I mean, just give me a little something, could you? And then down there, Jesus says, woman, verse 28, you have great faith. You know what that word great in the Greek is? It's mega. You know what Greek mega in English is? It's mega. Mega faith. Kingdom-sized faith. Supernatural faith. Because it takes that kind of love to love all these people. And woman, you could have got defensive. You could have got angry. You could have got just kind of, they, they made me feel that way. They made me, they hurt me. They said that about me, but you didn't. You just came to me and said, help me, Lord. Would you help me? And church, I will tell you, that is the only response of someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, who's trying to love a difficult person, is, Lord, just help me. Because you can't. So that's how we're going to end this service and in this series. We're going to ask God for some help. And here's how we're not going to pray. We're not going to pray, God, change that person. <laughs> Would you please fix that no good so-and-so? Would you make them pay, God? Would you give them theirs? Would you somehow change their heart, God? <laughs> They're driving me crazy. I'll give them to you, God. i just give them to you. I don't want nothing to do with them. i just give them to you. We're not praying that way. Here's how we pray. Help me be more patient. Help me to listen. Help me to understand their story. Why they are the way they are. Help me to see their brokenness. Help me to see them the way you see them. Help me love them the way they need it and the way you do it. So I'm going to ask you to grab hold of that person in your mind that you named a while ago. Maybe you got the name right before you. You can look at the name. Online, True Worth, Sanctuary the bridge, wherever you are, in the middle of the week, 2.30 in the morning, and you're watching this, whenever the time, just look at that name, or names, help me, Lord. respond to this person the way you perfectly responded to me on the cross I'm so hard to love God I can be so impatient I can be so judgmental I can be so condemning I can be so quick tempered I can be so avoiding I can just be quiet and avoid and never say a word and just take it God help me God help me be the man be the woman to respect boundaries to own responsibility but to not try to fix them. Help me, God.
help me to forgive as you have forgiven me. Help me to give grace the grace you have given me. Help me to love real people in real life with real love like Jesus did for me on the cross. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.